Here we go. At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Good morning, church. Would you please rise for our first song? Thank you. 
Good morning. It's great to be with you today. I have to keep telling people I'm not Pastor Jim's twin brother, all right? I'm Pastor Chris Ramstead from Emmanuel. You got to meet my counterpart last week, Pastor Patrick Sparling, uh, but it's so good to be with you, and I want to say a special hello from all the saints at Emmanuel as well. It's great to be in this wonderful community with you, our faith community in Jesus Christ our Lord. A couple announcements as we get started this morning. First of all, any prayer requests that we may have? I, I know I've seen a number go by on the screen as well, a number that you can text prayer requests to here, uh, but also if you have something written down, there's some baskets as well in the back for those prayer requests that we can lift up this day. I want to say a special welcome uh, to all of our guests as well. You'll see a screen pop up here. Uh, for all of our guests, if you're new for 1C for the sanctuary, text 1C guest to 94000. Uh, that's one of the ways we can get you plugged in. Uh, just to say a special welcome and thank you for being here. So a very special welcome to anyone that may be a guest with us this morning. We are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper today. We're going to take uh, the communion elements, and uh, if you'd like to receive those by coming up front today, uh, we'll do that in a little bit, but there's also a way to grab those elements and have them already. If you'd rather do that, that's an opportunity uh, out here as well. So you can grab those elements in advance. A couple announcements of things coming up this week, some exciting things. Uh, first of all, the trunk or treat is coming up October 31st, and I want to say 6 to 8, is that right? Yes, yeah, 6 to 8, there it is up there. October 3rd is 6 to 8, tons of fun. Uh, come and join in the fun for that. It's going to be a great evening in our community. One awesome way of reaching out with the gospel, getting people that may not be used to coming to church to come and uh, trunk or treat with their kids. So come and have a ton of fun there. And the second one is... There it is, marriage date night. I'm looking forward to this Friday, November 5th. And if you haven't gotten tickets for that yet, tickets are available here at the church. So going to be a lot of stuff coming up, a lot going on right now, a lot to get plugged in and excited about in our community. I think that's all the announcements I have for this morning. We're going to keep on rolling. Let's get to our next song this morning. You can sing. When the best of me is When I'm not somebody, I believe in, hold on to me. When I miss the light, night is stolen. When I'm slamming all the doors you've opened, hold on to me. Hold on to me 
You may be seated. Boys and girls, come on up front. It is time for the kids' message. So make your way on up front here. Find a seat on the floor. Nice slide. <laughs> come on up. Yeah, that's a good slide into first base. <laughs> Do you play baseball? Yeah? All right. Okay. All right, boys and girls. Well, I brought some cans with me this morning. Yeah. And let's see. Here's one. Do you know what this is? Chips. Green beans. And I heard you say, ooh. Who likes green beans? A couple people? You hate green beans. Some people like green beans. Some people hate green beans. You like green beans? Good. Let's see. Here's another one. Corn, you like corn? Okay, good. That's really good. Green beans. How'd you guys know what these were? It has a picture on it. It says, you guys are good. Yeah, there's a label on there that says what's in it, right? What it is. And some are good. So you, most people like corn, it sounds like. Not everybody likes green beans. Um, but you know what? People sometimes put label on us. We as people can get labels put on us. Some of them can be good. Some of them can be bad. A bad one might be like, maybe someone says you're ugly. That's not nice. No. Or, or dumb. Or a troublemaker. That's not good, is it? No. People can be mean. But you know what? Some labels can be good. Maybe someone says you're smart. right? Maybe someone says you're good at dance. Maybe someone says you're pretty or kind. Those are good labels, aren't they? Yeah, names that people call us, those are good things. But you know what? I've got another can in my bag here. Um, this is the last one. You know what that is? Cat food. Cat food. Ew. You think that's gross? Have you ever tried it? No. I haven't, I haven't either. So how do we know if it's good or if it's bad? We don't. Do, but I think we should find out. Don't you? Your cats eat cat food? Do you eat cat food? No. I smell it. Do you smell it? I can smell it already. You can? All right. This is friskies. Mm, with salmon. Yeah. Doesn't smell too bad. Do you think we should try it? It's not bad. I think it would be better on crackers. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. There's something here. What? Oh, hey, look. What's that say? You know what that? Tuna. Tuna. It was tuna. No wonder it didn't taste very bad. It was tuna. It wasn't cat food. Hmm. Well, did you know that this label is kind of like the label that people put on us? Just because I put a cat food label on a tuna, it didn't turn it into cat food, did it? No. And I'm really glad because I just ate some. Yeah. But you know what? God gives us a label too. 
something that's way more important than anything that anybody says about us, good or bad. And it's more true than anything anybody says about us. And it's not something that can be covered up or taken away from us. And Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, tells us, it says, But now, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Isn't that awesome? God says that he has called you by name. So the God of the universe, the God who created you, who formed you, calls you by name, and says that you belong to him. So we are loved, forgiven children of God. And that's better than anything anybody can say about you, good or bad. And it's something that is more true than anything else that can be said about you, that you are loved, forgiven children of God. So remember that, no matter what anybody else says about you. All right? Let's pray. You can fold your hands, bow your heads, and repeat after me. Heavenly Father, you made us in your image. We are your children, and we are loved by you. Help us to remember that every day of our lives. Amen. All right, boys and girls, you can head on back to your seats, all right? Thanks for coming up.
beginning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to join your voices together with mine in the confession of our sins. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto you all. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Heavenly Father gives to us his very best. This morning, he gives to us one of his greatest gifts, his son's very body and his blood. Let me tell you about this gift. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way, also after supper, he took the cup. And when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Dear friends, the peace of our Lord is found in this meal and is extended to you and to me. At this time, if you brought the elements in with you, as we come forward to receive the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, we do invite you to take those elements to eat and to drink as our Lord and Savior bids us do.
body of Christ. He turned the water into wine. He turned the water into wine. In the little Canaan town, the word went all around that he he turned the water into wine. Well, he walked upon the Sea of Galilee. Walked upon the Sea of Galilee. He shouted far and wide, calmed the raging tide, and he walked upon the Sea of Galilee. He turned the water into wine. He turned the water into wine. In the little Canaan town, the word went all around that he, he turned the water into wine. He fed the hungry multitude. He fed the hungry multitude With a little bit of fish and bread They said everyone was fed And he, he fed the hungry multitude He turned the water into wine Did my Lord now He turned the water into wine in the little Canaan town, the word spread all around that he, he turned the water into wine. Well, he walked upon the Sea of Galilee. He walked upon the Sea of Galilee. Well, he shouted for why he calmed the raging tide and he walked upon the sea of Galilee. He turned the water into wine. He turned the water into wine. In that little Canaan town, yeah, the word spread all around. Turn the water into 
a little cane in town Yeah, the word went all around He turned the water into wine Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Father, we just think that we, we, can, we can come to you with all of our prayers, our needs and our wants and, and our thanks that you were there to hear us. Prayers for Deb's back surgery and prompt recovery. Prayers for the missionaries who were kidnapped in Haiti. Prayer for good weather. Prayer for healing for Jerry, who's battling bone cancer. Prayer for a new home as I stay at the rescue mission, moved here from Kearney, embracing on a new chapter in recovery. Thank you, Lord. Prayer of thanks, Lord, that you lay your healing hands on Ian and Tiffany, help strengthen them and heal them from COVID. We lift up Nancy to you, Lord as she prepares for radiation treatments, work through the doctors and the physicians to shrink her tumor and heal her completely. Give Nancy peace and comfort, knowing that she is in your hands, Lord. Prayers of comfort and peace for the Harris family at the death of their son and grandson, Todd. Prayers of the Lord bring a smooth transition into our new house in new town a smooth transition for Jeff and Aaron and their family. Priests pray for me to find a place to get out of the rescue mission. I've had a job and looking for a place that can afford fit my budget. Prayers of thanksgiving for time with family. Father, we just thank you for all the prayers here this morning and the ones on our hearts that are unspoken. We thank you that you hear us and that you care for us no matter where we are in life and the ups and the downs, that you're always there to be with us when we need you. Join me as we say the Lord's Prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, in the name of Jesus, dear friends, amen. This morning, we have an opportunity here. I was given the chance to, to free text it. That's not a chance that I get to do all that often. And I, I went with the text that's been on my heart recently, um, that when you hear it, uh, well, it doesn't quite bring to mind what's really going on behind the picture. So we're going to tear it open today. So what I'm going to do, we're going to read Hebrews chapter 4, 1 to 13. We're going to hear it right up front, and then we're going to tear open this passage here that's so rich from what our God has to say to us this morning. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, 
Let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest. As he has said, as I swore on my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterwards in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account the word of our Lord. Dear friends, what the writer, the preacher, the proclaimer of Hebrews is getting at here is actually a long message. It's a long sermon that we get in the book of Hebrews. And what he's been focused on is the human Heart. We've had a warning about keeping that heart away from the riches of this world, the stuff of this life. There's a warning inside here about that hardening of the heart around those things. When our heart becomes so hardened that it pushes God away, we call that idolatry. And then today the question becomes, what now? What now with this heart that God has created for us, that heart that he continues to help give it beat and rhythm? What do we do now with that heart? In fact, the writer of Hebrews begs us to see God as a promise maker and a promise keeper. All throughout Scripture, we have this privilege as readers of God's holy word. Yes, today in 2021, we get to look all throughout Scripture and see God as a promise maker and a promise keeper. Genesis chapter 3, what does he do for Adam and Eve right following the fall into sin? He promises one that's going to come crush the head of that serpent, that deceiver. One will come along and crush that head. Promise made? promise kept in Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe we think of Abraham and Sarah, too old to have a child, no children of their own, and what does God come along and say? You're going to have a son. More than that, you're going to have more descendants than the stars in the heaven. Promise made, promise kept. In his word, his promise, God shows us that he is faithful. The writer of Hebrews has been given this negative example so far through this message here in chapter 4. And that negative example is the Israelite people. God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He's taking them toward that promised land. That promise is about to be fulfilled right ahead. And what happens? But they keep complaining. They keep turning back to Egypt. They keep hardening their hearts against their God. What about that promise? God points out that negative example of those that aren't walking by faith, that aren't following the promise to what lies ahead, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that I like to say is a land of rest. Dear friends, we have that promise too, a 
promised land in heaven, that eternity given to us in our God. And I want to get something right out in the open, right up here front, and that is that our salvation is perfectly secure in Jesus Christ our Lord. He's taking care of all of the work when it comes to our salvation. There is not one tiny ounce of work that has yet to be done in our salvation. Jesus Christ has accomplished it. That's what we have when we come in to hearing this word from Hebrews. He says in verse 1, Let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Let us fear. Not for myself. It's already taken care of. Jesus has already paid the price of my sin. He's already accomplished my salvation. This isn't a fear for me. This is a fear for those that have not yet come to Jesus. He goes on in verse 2 to say, Good news came to us just as to them. Dear friends, let us fear for those that are outside the faith. Those that might have heard the name of Jesus, those that might have an idea about what Jesus has done, maybe those that have seen a cross but really don't know the full story yet. Let us fear for those out in our world that don't even know the name of Jesus yet. That's what we're called to see in Hebrews chapter 4. It's not about my salvation. It's already secure in Jesus. It's a fear for those that have heard the name of Jesus or haven't heard it at all and have not yet come to that faith. Verse 2 says, The message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. It has to be received by faith. In fact, you can see in the life of a Christian that faith received, walking in the faith of Jesus Christ our Lord. In fact, Jesus calls those the fruits that we bear, right? Our fruits are visible to those around us. You can see faith in action. I like to think about a runner that's competing in a race. doesn't matter the distance. They're looking ahead to that finish line. They've got their eyes ahead on the goal. What about us as Christians? Where are our eyes when it comes to running the race of faith? We've got them up. We've got them looking to Jesus. We've got them looking ahead to the goal of that eventual goal of heaven, of paradise, of rest with him. But what happens if we take our eyes off of him? Like a runner, if we look backwards, we might trip, we might stumble, we might fall down, we might even miss it. That's the fear. That there are many in this world running a race and looking backwards, going to miss out on salvation. Our faith is evident in the way that we walk. In fact, those people out there that may not know about Jesus, they can see him in the way that we compose ourselves, the way that we walk, the way that we serve, the way that this heart ticks. And that's why it's so important to understand what's going on with this heart, this sanctified, redeemed heart that Jesus Christ has given to each one of us. Something really neat is going on inside this text. The writer of Hebrews, this proclaimer, he's using Psalm 95. He keeps coming back to Psalm 95 and interweaving it inside this message. Chapter 3 included, by the way. He's interweaving this psalm, this song that was sung by God's people on a very specific occasion. They would sing this song as they were coming up to Jerusalem for what we call the Festival of the Tabernacle or the Feast of Booths. It was their harvest time. I don't know about you, but when I see the harvest time around our community here in Columbus, I get really excited because it means one thing, and some of us it might mean allergies and like itchy eyes, right? But for me, it means good food. So when Greg started taking out all those cans of food up here, minus the cat food, I got really excited, right? I start to think about Thanksgiving meal and all these hearty, filling meals, the bounty of our Lord and everything that he's done for us. That's what they would do too. 
They'd walk their way up to Jerusalem for a special celebration, and they would sing this song, one of glory, one of thanksgiving for everything that God had done. He did the work. He brought forth the crops. He brought forth the rain. He helped with the harvest. God did the work, and they returned thanks to him. That's what this was all about. There's a word used here that in the Greek is phenomenal. It's the word for Sabbath. And this word particularly here is only used once in all of Scripture. It means Sabbath celebration. They were coming up to celebrate the Sabbath, to celebrate rest. Coming off of a harvest, coming off of all of the work, it was time to rest and give thanks to what God had done for them. Verse 10 says, For whoever has entered God's rest is also rested from his works as God did from his. Dear friends, isn't it phenomenal that we have a God that models rest? Right When we think about that creation story, we're used to God creating the land, animals, the stars, the sun, the moon, all of the good stuff. And then what happens? He gets the seventh day and he rests. I always have to tell our confirmation students, this isn't God taking a big sofa and pulling it over and getting a pillow and kicking his feet up and taking a six-hour snooze. He doesn't sleep. We have a God that never slumbers nor sleeps. Rather, God rests. He sabbaths. He takes a moment to step back, to look at everything in a wide lens that he has made. I like to think that God smiled. He took joy in what he'd made. What does God say? But it was very good. God got to see all of creation and these little bits and pieces that all work together in perfection. God took Sabbath rest. He took joy in seeing what he had made. Dear friends, when it comes to that heart, what does Jesus, our Lord, command us to do? Give us permission to do. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. You know, Jesus just says, come. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, come to me when when you're just stressed out or come to me, you know, once a week when you feel like, come to me, you know, when you're really tired. He just says, come. Come right now. This isn't, I'm going to wait for heaven and then come. Come right now and receive the rest, that Sabbath celebration as we join with God's people in the rest of our Heavenly Father. So the question upon us today then is, what does that rest look like? Well, twofold, two things I want to point out to you today. First of all, we take that rest individually, that Sabbath rest in our life, that sometimes God calls us to take that moment to open our Bibles, to dive into God's Word, that Word spoken out of love for me and for you, to dive into it personally, to hear what God is saying for this life. God calls us to take our hands, fold them together, sometimes hit the knees on the floor. Sabbath, rest. Sometimes if you're like me in the beauty of God's creation, especially this time of year when the leaves are changing color and everything's just so beautiful outside, maybe minus the rain today, you get on a bike or you go for a walk or you go for a jog, whatever it may be, get in a car and go for a drive, take in God's creation and just sit in awe and wonder of what God has made and given for you. Sabbath, rest. The second way, we're called to do this collectively. Dear friends, that's what we're doing right now. God has brought us into his house to come and to sing, to hear the band play, to feel the spirit flow through us, to hear his word, to receive his good gifts. Sabbath, rest. 
God calls us to take those ticks of our heart, those beats that he gives to us, to reach out to someone who needs us to encourage. I don't know about you, but sometimes I walk through these doors and I'm a bit discouraged. What does God do? But he sends you those around you to encourage, to uplift, to Sabbath with one another. There's something so strange when it comes to this commandment. The third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. How many of us hear that commandment and automatically say, well, God is telling me to take the Sabbath from about 11 to 12 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Dear friends, we don't do that with any of the other commandments. Think about how crazy that would be if we said, well, God tells me not to murder, but only between 11 and noon on Sunday mornings. Look out, right? Pastor Chris is going to go crazy at 12.01, all right? No, we don't do that. We don't do that. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember it each and every day. I like to say that in the midst of our work, we can find this Sabbath If you're a runner or a cyclist, sometimes when we are working our hardest, that's where we find God. In the midst of a hard workout, I often find myself just praying to God, giving thanks that he's given this heart to beat even a little faster at times. We give thanks to our God. We praise him. We celebrate all that he's done for us. And this is really hard for us because we live in a society that's very work-based, right? A lot of people don't know how to rest properly. 68% of people, according to a recent survey, don't get enough rest in life. 68%. More than two-thirds of the people in this world don't rest properly. It reminds me of a parable that Jesus tells. Luke chapter 12, he tells a parable of a rich man, a man that had an abundance of crop, right? Talk about harvest time. His barns were so full, he had a problem. He said, what should I do? I'm going to tear down those barns. I'm going to build bigger barns, ones that can hold more stuff. I'm going to fill those full. And then what am I going to do? Eat, drink, and be merry. (laughs) What does God say? He says, you fool. Today your very soul will be asked of you. And then what will happen to all that you've possessed? What was the problem? He didn't rest. He was so focused on doing the work He didn't rest. Dear friends, this morning, well, uh, kind of a fun fact. Your God has made you, and he's made you fearfully and wonderfully, and he's made you to rest. Those ticks of your heart, they're meant to rest. I like to say God hasn't called us to laziness, but he's called us to love. That's Sabbath, and it flows all throughout each and every day that we're given. We have to handle this end part here. When we talk about this double-edged sword, when we talk about the word given to us, we're going to try to tie this together with a neat bow this morning. And it says this, this two-edged sword that cuts to the heart, that pierces all of what we are and all of who we are. We call that the law and the gospel. What does our God do for us through that living and active word that we got to hear this morning, that living and active word that he puts in our pockets and in our hands? He shows us our sin. He shows us our sin and all that we deserve because of it. That's kind of a scary picture. We're going to see an example of this in a minute. But what follows the law but the gospel? good news of a gospel that a savior came for you and for me to do the work to accomplish everything for your behalf that's the good news there's nothing that i can put into my salvation jesus has done it 
Here's the example. Verse 13. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I hear law, and it is scary. The eyes of God the Father are upon me that see this heart, that see the hard spots, that see the things I put into it, and he sees everything. That's a scary picture. That's the law. Here's the gospel. Dear friends, the eyes of God the Father are upon you. Eyes of love, compassion. Eyes that look upon you and know exactly what you need even before we know we need those things. Eyes that look upon you, realize we could never do the work that needed accomplishing for our salvation and sent his son. That's the gospel. That's the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And finally, verse 13, to wrap this all up, it all comes together so beautifully. To whom we must give an account. It's a picture of the judgment seat. What's it going to look like when we get up to that final, ultimate rest? Living in the rest today, yes, but looking ahead to that rest yet to come in heaven. We're going to have to give an account. The Greek tells us it means one word. We're given one word before the judgment throne of our God. And that word is Jesus. He's the one who did the work. He's the one who's taking care of everything for us. Dear friends, that's the joy that we celebrate today as we join with people of all time who have come to that Sabbath rest of a God who is faithful, who makes promises, who keeps promises. And that's true for us too. So it's my encouragement this morning that as we leave the Sabbath rest here of God's house, that rest would continue on in your life. It would continue on with all those around you that you meet this week, that that Sabbath rest would flow through you in all that you do. It looks like this. It looks like a family going out together to go rake leaves, to go play in those leaves, to jump in the big piles. It looks like a couple sitting down to play a board game together. It looks like going to a trunk or treat or helping serve at that trunk or treat. Going to a date night here at 1C. It looks like taking those ticks of our heart that are given to us and putting them to work for the love and for the sake of our neighbor around us. Sabbath rest. That's what God's given to us this morning. Dear friends, that's my prayer for you, that that Sabbath rest would be all about your life this week going forth. Jesus has done the work for you, and he invites you to come. Come to him and find rest. It's in his name we can say amen. Let us rise and confess our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Serve the Lord.